Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello everyone and welcome to Matchday FM. This is Prem Talk for Matchday 3 of the 2020-2021 Premier League season. I'm Chris Coughlin and I'm joined for this episode by Thomas Whitehead. And Thomas, we're going to jump straight into it. Uh, and I think there's, well, there's one topic that is on everyone's minds at the moment, and that is, uh, well, we might as well call it the, the penalty podcast, my, my early, with, with all the, the spot kicks that are given at the Premier League at the moment. Um, we'll talk about a few of them throughout, uh, throughout the episode. But in particular, I think the handball debate is something that is raging on and on and on week in, week out. What are your thoughts on, on some of the handballs that got given over the weekend? Ridiculous is probably the first word that comes to mind. I mean, the Spurs handball was it with Newcastle. Yeah, Mourinho was incensed and rightly so. I think it's more, for me, it's the new interpretation, isn't it? That any strike or any interference with the, from the armpit down is now the rule. Is It's automatic handball penalty, no matter if it's intentional or not. They say, I think the reasoning is they want to ensure absolute consistency, but then what are you getting? Con- consistent consistent handball no matter what the situation that's not that for that for me isn't the right way about it at all and then what I was thinking about it's implementation with AR I think they kind of to me it looks a bit like a um, sort of bad transition in a way because refs last season for the majority weren't encouraged to use the monitors were they only halfway through they were told they can start they can sort of start using the monitors and encouraging them to do so so I think if they start off this campaign with the sort of monitor approach and had the sort of last season's standard handball rules I think we could have seen a bit more a bit more of a fairer approach really because they've been able to obviously use the monitors and the referee on the field could have added his own interpretation to whether or not it's deliberate or you know you know what I mean it's a grey area but it could have been enforced a lot better than just this standard black and white I mean, I mean obviously they're now using screens but there's not much point is there if it hits his arm it's the referee's always going to give it. That's why you've seen the majority of decisions that do get reviewed overturn or back up the, the penalty. Simple as that. Do you think as well, when the referee does go over to the monitor, almost from the team who the decision would be against, there's almost an impending sense of doom because yeah, exactly. when, when, when they go exactly. to the monitor, how many have we seen them stick to their original decision yet? No, I don't think I've seen one. Every time that goes to the monitor, you can... I'd say most occasions you can safely assume that this that the um, decision is going to be overturned and it'll be a penalty, and it's because of this straight up black and white new um, law of um, just simple handball penalty, no matter what the scenario is. If it physically touches any part of the arm below the armpit, no matter what the, the ball speed is the, or the position of the player, it's handball penalty. As well, I saw uh, an article from from David Ornstein in the Athletic where he said, from this weekend coming up, so that would be the 3rd of October, um, Premier League referees 
are allowed to show greater leniency on handball from this coming weekend, as I say, the 3rd of October. They agreed it at a meeting of clubs. But then, so these are some of the examples of what would be unlikely to be penalties. Victor Lindelof won against Crystal Palace. And I think, uh, I, think we, yeah. I think we agree with that, to be honest with you. The John yeah. Ward one against Everton would be unlikely to be a penalty. Which I do think well, is a little bit interesting because my argument for that one would be if if Joel Ward doesn't handle it, it does go through to Richarlison. True, yeah, the, it, that's a good point. That it would stop the goal scoring opportunity, but then I always felt that was a bit of a, a tight award anyway. That was less clear cut. It, it was more or, of a natural body position than with yeah, season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, if yeah, yeah, if you were using last season's or all the previous season's interpretations up until now, that one would definitely have been. Up for debate, I think. I think you, you could. It would have been about fifty-fifty. I would have said under last season's interpretation for sure. But obviously, this season it's just yeah. You kind of knew what was coming when that one, when that one was reviewed. And then you've kind of touched on one already. According to these, this idea about greater leniency, the Eric Dyer one would still be a penalty, which I just <sighs> think is absolutely ludicrous. It is. I mean. It's, Back's, back's turned, isn't it? Wasn't his back turned? And then his it's back just... is turned, and Andy Carroll has thumped the header at his arm, yeah. where he's got no it's... idea where he is. I think he's had a little, little bit of a push as well. Yeah. If anything, you know, when when you jump, say if you're, if you're trying to gain height, you need your arms for leverage. Exactly. It's just, it, what, I mean, what, if, if you're a defender and your job is to literally stop the ball from going in there by putting blocks, etc., as a defender's supposed to, so you're going to be half expecting the whistle to blow and that to happen if, if it strikes any of the the arm no matter what I mean it's, it's going to be discouraging players from doing blocks now or even trying to be physical physical and just it's just the short the short range of it it's the short range game in defence it's just it's causing a nightmare really for defenders yeah 100% and one game that had its its fair bit of penalty drama was the very first game of the weekend where Brighton took on Manchester United one moment where VAR played a huge part and it's unique in that it's the first time we've ever seen it in the Premier League. I want your take on the late penalty for Manchester United because I think a lot of people were a lot of people won't won't question the decision because it it is a penalty, but what they yeah. might question is any sort of potential morality in it. I mean this is I think you'll notice is it, is it actually Obviously, we didn't see it, so I presume it's a very rare case that a decision can be given after the full-time whistle. I've seen, I've, I've seen I've, it in the Bundesliga, but this is the, the first time in the Premier League. It's extremely rare. Um, it is a penalty, and I think, I don't know, is the, was, do you think the ref might have been a bit premature in blowing the whistle then? No, that, that, I, the, I, I the, just think because he's blowing the whistle, for me, that has yeah. set the precedent where, <laughs> that's where the anger's kind of come from, the fact that he has blown the whistle. Yeah. Perhaps if it was a I mean, if he blew the whistle, I think he was assuming that he hadn't heard anything from the linesman about that. Did they flag for the foul before he blew the full-time whistle? Honestly, the, the only thing I could say about it is that obviously the Manchester United players ran to the referee. Yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, I think there was a fair bit of pressure. But then again, if if they were that adamant that it had been a handball, yeah. then then you know, it, it's, the, it's the way of players, isn't it, to go, to go and try and press the referee? Yeah, I think if anything, I could... Maybe say a slight naivety from the referee is that as soon as he sees the ball walloped or cleared from the box in that last phase of play, things right, that's it full time. But if there's a bit of, if obviously the United players reacted as they would do, so maybe he should have thought, hmm, wait and see what the 
the outcome of this particular incident is, then blow the four-time whistle. I think it's sort of, yeah, it's a naive assumption to think if the ball's booted out from a, from a chance and it's over, that should be that. That should be that. But like I said, I think with this new law the, or the new VAR influence, they should wait until it's really like dead in the water. Now the game, that's it, finished. So I think it's a bit of naivety that I might have to adjust to. And, it, uh, it was it was a penalty. That's that's no there's no doubt about that for me. Yeah, no, I, that, that's the thing. I don't think we can debate that. I think it was just the actual awarding of it after the full time whistle. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. that got that got to a lot of people. And of course, when uh, when Bruno Fernandez is over a spot kick, you kind of just turn away and go make a cuppa or anything like that, and just accept. Yeah, it's just the the formality. Up, He's not missed one, is he? It's not one. Not, not missed it's, one. It's a couple of years since he missed one, and that was for Sporting. Lisbon. Years. I mean, wow. he's yeah, he's just so clinical from the spot. He? And he seems certainly recently he seems to have ditched the Jorginho skip, doesn't he? And I, yeah. I, personally, I I do not I do not like that. I just think it kills all sort of momentum. If it's a technique that you can nail to a T, fair enough. But we saw Jorginho obviously miss against Liverpool, having had yeah, a lot of it's, success previously. For me, for me, it's how silly do you look if it if it doesn't go right? That's Very. What, Penalty, except for penalty. If you just do a straight traditional run up and it's saved, it's yeah, it's bad luck. Well, you're not making yourself look a bit of a fool. Are you? you just sort of oh, fair enough, keep it goes the right way. Or at worst case, you might actually miss it itself. But you're literally going to try a silly kind of mental run up that's sort of supposed to trick the keeper into gamesmanship. But now, for me, traditional run up, you can. I'd, I'd always rather a player does that puts less pressure on them. I'm, I'm looking at the kind of Richarlison. Short run up top corner. That 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 that's my yeah. It looks great when it looks great when it comes off. Don't get me wrong, but it's that fear of if it goes wrong, he's looking a bit red faced. Well, well, I mentioned penalties. Gonzalo Higuain missed one on his into Miami debut out in uh, out out in the states. Skied it, which uh, obviously Higuain has had 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 plenty of ups and downs in his career. Were you were you watching that one live by any chance? No, I wasn't because I think it was like (laughs) ooh, I think it was like a one a.m. kickoff. <laughs> you know, like us, like who can stay up until the early hours. No, I, that, yeah, I, the, the I night treasure, young, the night is young. I treasure my sleep too much. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. And we're going to keep mentioning oh, the P words. Inevitably leads us to probably the game of the weekend, really, where Manchester City back at the Etihad after a very good win at Wolves and were utterly dismantled by Jamie Vardy and co, weren't they, Tommy? What did you make of Leicester's display there? Very good. Um, that the, go- the goal from Vardy, that wasn't a penalty. That little, where he just runs across the it. Over, flick, as, that as Gary it. Neville called it. Well, there you go. That's the, that, was, that was where it was called. That, that was quality finish, that. Uh, and you could say it's instinctive, but to actually master that and then get it over Edison as well, it's no, that was that was the real that showed that what that Leicester were really on in that afternoon. But yeah, they were, I think that again, they were helped by naive defending from um, Mendy and Walker. The penalties were, I don't think any of them were questionable at all, no. <laughs> just straight up poor defending, just. Wasn't there, wasn't there the first one from was it Walker? The, 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 first, arms? the first one yeah. was Walker was really poor. That, I really mean, poor. Just... Vardy had started offside, and then Vardy literally had started offside. Then waits for Walker to catch up to him, and then puts yeah. on the afterburners. It was just really poor defending. Yeah, just caught on his heels and just desperate. I mean, he probably knew as soon as as soon as he went down what was going to happen there. That was 
extremely poor. And, and the other ones as well were just... I think for, for, Manchester, for a team like Manchester City to, to commit those sort of errors, it's... Yeah, it's criminal, really. I don't. I I just can't believe that defensively they've fallen apart like that. I just want to ask you as well because I think as much as we are crediting Leicester City and very much so for you know, many deserved reasons, obviously the thing has got to be pointed at Manchester City conceding five at home. I just want to read you some of the quotes from Rodri um, after the game when he said that Leicester did nothing. He said, football has not been fair to us. And for me, they were lucky. What are your thoughts on, uh, on that from Rodri? Because I think he gave the ball away in the build-up to the fourth goal as well. It's, it's a ridiculous statement. I mean, they were the architects of their own downfall. To get penalties, you don't do nothing, do you? You actually have to, you know, attack get yeah. the, and run into the... You have to go forward. <laughs> exactly. The simple, that's... that's if you look at the statement from that simplicity point of view, it's already just completely unfounded. And then the quality goal um, from Vardy, and then the Madison one as well. I mean, it's that's a great, great finish and caressed into the top corner from that distance. But is anyone trying to close him down there? You could say. I mean, it's yeah, it's distant shot, but again, it's just. I think it's just a really silly statement to make. And I know. In the build-up to the season, we, when when we, we were chatting, you are well, you were adamant. I think it's fair to say that the biggest challenge for City in terms of closing the gap to Liverpool was the defensive side of Manchester City, and ultimately that's what's let them down in that game, isn't yeah. it? I mean, even against, even against Wolves, the defense was far from ideal, and it was, oh, uh, it was no. Ake and Eric Garcia at the back. And the thing is with Garcia as well, this is a man that's actively rejected a new contract to Manchester City. It's not. It's not a great situation, is it? I mean, how much was that? Okay, um, four, well, forty-one million. By which I mean forty million, and then the one million add-on. And they've just signed Ruben Diaz from uh, from Benfica as well for sixty-five million. That was of course after the game. So here, you imagine he would partner America Laporte. Yeah, and that. What I was going to say to that is, if you add up Ake and Diaz, could you have got? <laughs> could you just combine the two and just spend it on Kulibaly? I, mean, well, I, I, think, I think Napoli That's what wanted I was around 75, so yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, if they just got that money spent and putting Koulibaly and you've got two great centre-halves in Laporte and Koulibaly, you'd sort of have a foundation there. I mean, yeah, the, I, I'm not rating the full-backs. I mean, Walker, on his day, one of the best full-backs, but then as a day like that, it just gives away the penalty. And it's, again, consistency. And, I, and to be honest with you, I'm not that much of a fan of Mendy either. No, I don't think he's the quality of Man City really needs to really push on and challenge Liverpool. Absolutely. And th- there's one man that we haven't really mentioned so far. We- we've touched on him, of course, and I think we there's a chance that we might mention him later on for, for a certain uh, feature that we've got later on. But uh, Jamie Vardy, hat-trick, or, you know, I know two included penalties, but nevertheless, you've still got to stick them away. He's just getting better and better, isn't he, really? Just, he's, he's 33 years old now, and there's just no sign of letting up, is there? No, not at all. I think, it, for me, the, the, the real remarkable aspect of it is how he keeps it going season to season now. The consistency, more or less, it, it, rather than he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do the gym, and he, he acknowledges his, fitness, he, his, his diet isn't the greatest in the world. I think that's what people like about him. It's a bit of the old school. I mean, the consistency is great, but if it, the way he does it via, via old school techniques kind of makes it all the more remarkable. Um, 33, though, to be still still showing that quality and doing week in, week out as well. What's the tally so far already from three games? Is it four or five? 
It's uh, far, uh, five goals five. in three. Oh, oh, admittedly, four of them were penalties. But again, for me, you, you can't take a penalty as a, as a given goal. You have, no. to fi- you have to finish it off. Yeah, exactly. And then the one that wasn't a penalty, for me, is one of technique-wise, one of the best goals I've seen so far from these opening three game weeks anyway. Just uh, I remember he scored that goal basically against Germany a couple of years ago in a friendly in uh, in Berlin. The, uh, the only, you could rem- only you could remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it was Nathaniel Klein with the assist. Yeah, now we are going back okay. a bit, are we? That's, <laughs> we did, really, did you say it was 2016? If you remember yeah, that from I'm, four, yeah, I'm just, sure in pre, pre-Euros, pre-Euros 2016. Oh, yeah, I really despair I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it was pre. <laughs> if it's post-Euros, my bad. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do remember. I remember seeing the goal of the weekend just thinking, he's done that before. But of, of course, another stat about Vardy is only two men have ever scored a hat-trick into the Pep Guardiola team. One of them is Jamie Vardy, and he's done it twice. And the second is a certain Lionel Messi. So that, that is not bad company yeah. to have, is but it? That, that was uh, just in the fact that Messi's working his way into Premier League or stats without even being in... Yeah. <laughs> <I don't laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. Uh, just shows you the greatness of the man. And at the complete other end of the table, Tommy, there's something that uh, I, I want to get your reaction on because Fulham have really been, is it fair to say atrocious since they've yeah. uh, returned yeah. to the Premier League? And one, oh, yeah. book, and one bookie in particular, I'll, I'll name them, it was Paddy Power, although other bookmakers are available. Uh, <laughs> they've already paid out on Fulham to be relegated. It's Yeah, it's very cl- it's classic Paddy Power paying out on way before things have happened because they're so confident. But I think it was Carragher at the weekend that said that he's more certain that Fulham are going to get relegated and he's that Liverpool are going to win the league. That's so, a statement, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was in the post-match afterwards. But yeah, that, that summed up to me as the predicament they find themselves in. It's, you could say, I mean, I think I think the real controversy wasn't the match or itself. It was, was it the son of the son of the owner? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the infamous tweet now that's been dismissed and talked about. I mean, that's, that's, such, that's so disrespectful to the players. On that play on the, on the page. I mean, that, fair enough, there might be not the quality required, but to completely undermine their efforts like that, it's it's and a bit of a mess already. For, for I mean, Parker they, they, to say how disappointed he wasn't as well. Yeah, they've done well to get themselves into such a such a, a hole and a mess within what three three weeks to the season. On Fulham, though, as a performance, I mean, they, they even went for three centre halves against Aston mm. Villa, conceded early on, and then conceded another one not soon after. Um, it was just car crash, wasn't it? And that that the third game where they've third game already, so only played three games, where they've conceded at least three goals. It's not looking great. I mean, to be fair, you, you say it's still what thirty-five to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything can happen. I mean, <laughs> do you remember, plenty you remember, of time. Plenty. But of no, time. you remember when obviously the infamous short tenure of De Boer with Palace didn't score yes. a goal. Lost a, verse I was seven. thinking that you know, I was because yeah, they've got they've got Wolves on Sunday. And that isn't going to be an easy game. And all of a sudden, if you lose four in a row, what Scott Parker has he got to be thinking about whether he'll still be in a job? Oh, I mean, with this the way it works now, I I think he, but I don't think he'll be holding out much hope for that. He did so well to get them back up at the first attempt, but again, they just feel like they haven't learned from the last time they were in the Premier League. No, I mean they try to do, they try to what spend spend the way through it yeah. into that last bit and fail miserably. The bit that they just can't win no matter what they try, but then, but then to respond to the situation as poorly as they have with the, the hierarchy, not helping themselves at all. 
You're listening to Matchday FM. Did look at one stage, we'd maybe have four teams battling it out for uh, for Champions League place on the final day. Obviously, Chester, sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chester? <laughs> I know. I know. Quite a season, they uh, Participation <laughs> in, this, in the Premier League. <laughs> Chelsea, Leicester, oh, Manchester United. Start again. That's yeah. going in a sting, I don't care. <laughs> Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM. So before we go on to our predictions for game week four in the Premier League, I'll just take you through uh, the results for game week three. Of course, it was a Brighton two, Manchester United three with that late, late, late penalty from Bruno Fernandes. Crystal Palace one, Everton two. So Everton keeping up their 100% record under Carlo Ancelotti at the start of this season. West Brom three, Chelsea three again. That was a game that we really could we we could have talked about great depth. Where uh, Chelsea came back from three 0 down after a horrid first half of the Hawthorns. Southampton got their first points of the season, beating Burnley 1-0. Danny Ings with the winning goal there. Leeds continued their impressive start. Patrick Bamford scoring the late winner against Sheffield United in a 1-0 win. Of course, we mentioned uh, Eric Dyer's handball that led to Newcastle getting a penalty and salvaging a 1-1 draw in stoppage time against Tottenham. Manchester City 2, Leicester City 5 after a fantastic performance from the Foxes. West Ham turned up big time when they needed it most after a really poor start of the season, beating Wolves 4-0 at the London Stadium. Aston Villa beating Fulham 3-0 at Craven Cottage. And Liverpool kept up their 100% start by beating Arsenal 3-1 at Anfield in the last game of the weekend. So, Tommy, let's go into game week four's predictions. First game to kick us off at 12.30 on Saturday is Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. This would have been straightforward if I hadn't have seen firsthand really Chelsea's vulnerabilities. Um, I still would back Chelsea to come through it, but I wouldn't. I don't think it's going to be extremely clear cut if Palace also show what they can do because they, I think they've shown solidity as well. Palace, if they can, they can really hold it together. They could maybe surprise. Them. But no, I'll go. I'll go Chelsea. I think. I think the the. the the attack will, will turn over. I'll go, for, I'll go 3 1 Chelsea. How much do you think it's still a case of Lampard trying to figure out what his best system is? I think it is a case of that, but then I think he sort of needs the, um, the big signings to still step up a little bit. I, mean, I know Werner scored last night in the uh, the League Cup against Spurs, so that's, that will do him a world of good confidence. But I still think if he, if he can start firing Werner along with Havertz as well from the midfield, then I think it will start to click a bit more. Defensively, they're still conceding really, really soft schoolboy kind of goals. But I think that I think is relying on the the attack to more or less try and counterbalance that. But it, it just I think this because they because they concede such easy goals. I think any kind of team can score against them. That's why predicting Chelsea now has become a bit more difficult than what he, than what I thought it would be. Crystal Palace have had a good start to the season. I thought they played well against Everton. If they'd got a point, I don't think anyone could have complained about that. No. But I will go for Chelsea. And as you say, it feels wrong 
to predict Chelsea get a clean sheet at the moment, <laughs> just because they are so open defensively. I think 3-1 is a very good shout, so I'll, I'll go along with that one as well. Everton versus Brighton Hove Albion. Well, actually, no, it's not as tough as a point would be, because I know Everton, if they, are go, if they really are capitalising on the start they've had, I think this should be a relatively easy one for them. But this is Everton, after all, and we all know the susceptibilities and the uh, the ghost of old could come into play here. But Ancelotti really seems to have instilled a great mentality, it seems, and I think he will make sure that the, the complacency doesn't set in here. Brighton themselves, more than capable, I think, of at least scoring a goal, but I think Everton will get it. I'd say 2-0 Everton. Brighton are a really exciting team, aren't they? They showed that against Manchester United, hitting the bar five times. Just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I think I think that's a Premier League oh. record for a single game, hitting the bar five or hitting the, the woodwork five times. Everton, though, the form they're in, James Rodriguez just pulling the strings, Carver Lewin is getting really consistent run of form right now. I am going to go for Everton three, Brighton one. Leeds United versus Manchester City. God, with the way City last week, again, it's becoming harder to predict these, I think. Um, Leeds have been impressive. I've, what I've noticed with Guardiola is whenever they really perform badly, they tend to really respond the week after or the game after. And I do expect a strong response from Manchester City because that's the that's the way they tend to roll these, especially the past couple of seasons. So, obviously, Leeds are at home. I know it doesn't, with no crowds and stuff, especially Ellen Road, you could say that's neutralised. But, no, I'd say City will respond. Um, but I think Leeds will also give them a game of it. So, I'll go 3-2, Man City. Ooh, that'll be a belter. I know Leeds kept a clean sheet against Sheffield United, against Sheffield United team, that really are going to struggle, I think, going forward this season. But they did concede chances, and Sheffield United, especially through John Lundstrom in the first half, should have scored. Manchester City won't accept that two weeks in a row. Not a chance. They'll, they'll be out there fighting to, to get their season back on track. I'll go for something quite comprehensive, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm feeling something like 4-1 Manchester City. I think it'll be quite a devastating response to that defeat against Leicester. Next up, a game that might not be as entertaining, but we'll, you know, uh, we, we live to eat our words. Newcastle versus Burnley. Newcastle, I think, have started... I think, I think, I think they started the way that they probably... If, if you offered Steve Bruce that start, I think he'd have taken it, to be honest with you, the one, the one they've had so far. Not spectacular, but solid enough. Yeah, I, I, I imagine... I expect Newcastle to do this, to be honest with you. I go for Newcastle 2-0. I think this is going to be very tough for Burnley. I think the next few weeks are going to be tough for Burnley with all their injuries. I mean, their their bench against Southampton was kids, um, yeah. you know, kid, kids that didn't play in attack-minded positions as well. Uh, and, they look, they look, they look dangerously depleted. Actually, Burnley, it, yeah, that they, sort of crept really up on us a bit, really. But I see Newcastle with the likes of Callum Wilson, um, who's, who has started well so far at St James's Park. I can see them getting their second win of the season and I will go for a comfortable 2-0 win. Moving on to the Sunday, we've got Leicester City, a 100%er Leicester City against West Ham United. Instinct to say Leicester, but then West Ham had an impressive performance against Wolves. They seem to really click with that one. Um, but Leicester, I think, I think Leicester will 
quite comfortably do it because West Ham, while those are, I think, seems a bit of a yo-yo with the performances, we'll do the, the 4-0 against Wolves like the week just been, but then they could easily slip to like a 4-1 here against Leicester quite easily. Um, the consistency, I think, is what Moyes will be looking to address. But I think it'll be comfortable for Leicester. I'll go Leicester 3-1. A few famous games, actually, in the last few seasons between these two. I know that beating West Ham kicked off Leicester's great escape back in 2000 and uh, back 2015. And then it was a late, late, late equaliser in the title running uh, yeah, for, for Leicester a couple of years ago. They'll, they'll be keen just to keep on scoring goals. Admittedly, there will be you know, how many times we've seen an after the Lord Mayor's show kind of performance where <laughs> it, you know, it can slip up and, and West Ham might get a result. But nevertheless, I'm going to go... 2-1 to Leicester, which isn't as comfortable as I have just made it sound. But nevertheless, I'm going to go for 2-1 to Leicester. Um, Southampton versus West Bromwich Albion. Southampton did well the week's gone. I think me and you were championing the McCarthy clean sheet, which yes, helped us I mean, in that was, the, that, that was that after a hot... Can we not talk about that, please? <laughs> I don't really want to talk about what's just happened last weekend. <laughs> so uh, that did me that did me the world good in terms of fantasy, but I'll not dive into that too much. Um, but West Brom as well, again scoring freely against Chelsea. Again, admittedly, Chelsea's defence is something that can be discussed in probably at length in the whole podcast. Um, it's a tough one. I'll go for a draw here. I'll go for a one-one. I am going to go for two-nil Southampton because I need those McCarthy clean sheet points. And <laughs> I, I, I can Danny Ings. He's got three goals so far. The form of the man, the confidence of the man. I can see him really ripping apart West Brom. To be honest with you. So as I say, I'll go two-nil to the Saints. Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Arsenal here should be comfortable. Will be comfortable. Sheffield United just look not not as doomed as Fulham, but it looks quite ominous, really. I mean, they have the experience they, they staying in the league. Yeah, they do. I think Wilder's got the experience, which might provide an upturn maybe somewhere, hopefully sooner rather than later, but can't be as bad as what they have been. But I still think Arsenal will be comfortable here, so I'll go Arsenal 4-0. They're heavily linked with Rian Brewster as well, Sheffield United, and you know, we, we, we know he's, he is a goal scorer. Proved that at Swansea and then in pre-season with Liverpool, some good finishes as well. But nevertheless, I'll go for a comprehensive win for Arsenal here and I'll go 3-0. Wolves versus Fulham. Again, Fulham stay the rain. This should be quite clean cut, this one for Wolves, but this league and the way it works, you know, it can sometimes throw up a shot. But I think Fulham are at a point where it just cannot get any worse, really. Rock bottom, so you hope they could maybe do something to at least encourage the fans a bit, maybe get a goal or two. But then Wolves themselves weren't particularly impressive against West Ham. In fact, they were quite woeful. So I think Wolves, again at home, probably will get it back on track. I go for a 3 1 Wolves. I'm going to go for 2 0 Wolves. I think it generally is a case of how many of Wolves click to be honest with you, just because I, I think Fulham are so poor defensively. But I think it'll be comfortable for Nuno's men. Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur. Again, Spurs, last night, first half, again, woeful, but then really picked up in the second and um, did well to uh, to win the shootout. I think it was a high-quality shootout with the Southern Death proving to be um, Chelsea doing in that. Um but also United might be buoyed a bit from 
the late drama from their game. Um, it's it's a difficult one. I think it's I think it'll be a draw. I'll go a two two on this one. I'm going to go for Manchester United just because of how packed Tottenham's week is. They played yesterday as we're recording this, but then they play in the Europa League tomorrow. It's it's like some sort of Korean oh, glitch, isn't it? Where uh, all the games just get packed into one week. All um, right. <laughs> I'm gonna go for two one to Manchester United. And last game of the week is Aston Villa versus Liverpool. I think Liverpool will um continue. Um the way the way the performance they put in the past three games is they put in that similar kind of performance, I think. It should be not comfortable. I think they should do the job at Villa. Although, mind you, last season away at Villa was monumental game. That I mean, the last minute drama of it, especially since City also won. I wouldn't say it was a turning point. I'd say it was a defining moment for Liverpool in that in that. Once they won't call a title race either, but when City was still sticking around in the early stages, that was that was a, certainly was a decisive weekend. But I don't think it'll be left as late as that. If like I said, Liverpool put in the performance and they can put in, I'd say it should be should not comfortable again, as I mentioned, but it should be um, a job for them that they should manage with relative ease. So I'll go again, I'll go with 2 0 Liverpool. Yeah, it was a huge game last year, wasn't it? Uh, when City went 2 1 up, Liverpool was still 1 0 down at Aston Villa before yeah. the late drama. So it was just an incredible game. Um, Aston Villa, I'll throw out a start here. They actually kept as many clean sheets at home last season as Liverpool. Which uh, it, 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 it's quite a remarkable one, that really. And of course, haven't conceded the goal yet this season in their two games. It is, it is a meeting of two 100% teams. But I'll go for Liverpool, comprehensive win, 3 0 for me. You're listening to Matchday FM. How crucial has Bruno Fernandes been? Because it, it, they've almost been, it, it, I think it's fair to say, they've just been unrecognisable since he's come in. I think he's. Certainly jumped into the Premier League halfway through a season has certainly shown he can swim in that particular in that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Rather <than> sink. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're we are still no, talking you... about football, aren't we? I oh, know, no, but no. I meant in the metaphor. The Olympics is next year, Tommy. Check out all of our podcasts so far on Anchor, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Okay, Tommy, let's go on to the little feature that we have at the end of these Prem Talk podcasts. We go for our Player of the Week, Performance of the Week, Manager of the Week, and Goal of the Week. So, first of all, give me your Player of the Week. Don't think it's up for the bait. This one, I'll go Vardy, just showing the timelessness of the man, um, simply doing what he's done for, what, f- uh, four seasons now in the Premier League. Um, yeah, showing the quality of the finish, but then showing the reliability from the penalty spot as well. So... That. I think that's that's simple. That one. I think it'd be rude not to give it to him, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I, I do. Uh, I, I agree with you. My player of the week, Jamie Vardy, as well. I do think it'd be interesting to find out though how many. What is the record for consecutive game weeks in the Premier League that involve a hat trick? Because I mean, we've already had you know it's three in a row so far, isn't it? So that that would be quite a good. Um... Well, it's been a bit of a goal fest anyway. These opening three oh, weeks. Yeah. I think it's the highest. Is it sixty something goal or something? Yes. And we're, yeah. we're on. We're on for the most penalties ever awarded in a single season. <laughs> I think it's like, it like two hundred ninety penalties or something. Yeah, that is a sky star, wasn't rate. it? The, yeah, the prediction. I think, and that will be more than double yeah. last seasons of the high, the next yeah. bet, the next highest anyway. Performance of the week. What are you going for? A curveball this one, but West Ham. I thought mm. really stepped it up against Wolves. I mean, considering where they come from, the previous two previous two games, I think that was really. 
um, one that'll buoy them a little bit as well. No, Wolves weren't great either. But in terms of performance from a team, I wasn't expecting a performance like that from, certainly West Ham. And as Moyes wasn't even there, I think that kind of makes it a little bit better for them to perform for the manager who was in, uh, in absence. Uh, my uh, performance of the week is going to be is going to be Leicester, just because to score five goals against a Guardiola team. I know you could say about the amount of fit players that they had, but nevertheless, it's an incredible result. That it really was the way they just tore Manchester City apart. And Leicester, they were they could class themselves in the title race, obviously for much of the first half of last season before it all kind of uh, well just fell apart for them after Christmas. But you never know. Obviously, they'll they'll be hoping for top four this season after narrowly missing out last season. And it'd so be, a big, they, be a big statement. So you, don't, so you don't think they could do the unthinkable again? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, like, <laughs> it, I, I think personally, I do think it would take something special from what I've seen right now for a team to beat Liverpool to the title again, uh, just because I think yeah. Liverpool have done so well first first few games. But Leicester are a very, very good team. With, of course, a, a Belgian trio that are performing very well right now with the Kraft, Helemans, and Castagna looks a real good buy. Um, yeah, that I think he's growing into this league more and more the more I see him. Who is your manager of the week? Again, maybe it's like curveball, Ancelotti, because to keep, seems to keep I ra- finding I raise the answers. my eyebrow and true Ancelotti. No, fashion. seems to keep finding the answers. <laughs> no, he does. He seems to keep yeah, finding does. the answers. Ancelotti's just come in last season with Everton, but then he seems to be making up, finding a way to make to gel it into a team already. To to if he seems to have formed a team that to me looks fairly ominous from the early stages, and they said they keep finding the answers. So I know I know you could say they're fortunate in the actual game itself, but I'm sort of looking at yeah, the, the, just the ability to find the answer because Palace were also solid as well going into that, yeah. which is sort of makes it to me seems to. Not make, make it more impressive, but certainly um, raise the eye a bit more of what they're doing. Yeah, they've been completely transformed, Everton. I'm not going to go for Brendan Rodgers. Oh, okay. I'm going to go for a manager that wasn't even at the game. I'm going to go for <laughs> David Moyes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the way that West Ham, I honestly, I, I, I thought this was, again, going to be quite straightforward for Wolves, to be honest with you. But he said out his team, of course, not being there has its own challenges. But he was able. You know, he communicated to the game. Obviously, watching on TV, almost like I thought. I saw someone describe it as football manager with better graphics. Um, <laughs> but to get the team to put in a performance like that when they did really need it, uh, yeah. and such a convincing display as well. Fantastic performance, and all credit to David Moyes. And oh, could you call it the shit? The um... I think could you call it the Stuart Pearce effect? You could. Psycho. You could. I have a joint <laughs> really manager of the, the week place. with David Moyes and Stuart Pearce. I might do that actually. My my joint manager of the week. And create your, an asterisk one off for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your goal of the week, finally. <laughs> but I don't know if it was curveball. I really like Mares's finish. Uh, what? Uh, half half volley. Half volley with his Yeah, but it's the postage. Yeah, it's most, yeah, postage. I was gonna say, I mean, I, I know everyone might be looking for the minus someone, which is also a great goal. But this, technique-wise, again, oh, it was incredible, that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think it's it's a bit inexplicit, really, that we're going to um, leave James Madison out of this uh, goal of the week list, to be honest with you, because, I mean, it, it wonderful strike. But I love I do love a good team goal. 
And Jamie Vardy's second was absolutely fantastic because of the amount of times I've analysed T. Lehman's pass through to Castagna. It's just absolutely perfect. He could easily just pass it back to Mendy and they'll keep possession. But he's taken the risk to thread the eye of a needle. It's a perfectly weighted pass to Castagna. The cut back across goal and Jamie Vardy's instinctive finish. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, that is my goal of the week. So, Tommy, thank you very much for taking part in the latest episode of Match Day FM Prem Talk. And thank you very much for listening all the way through, guys, if you are still uh, listening to this podcast. We'll be with you next week where we'll bring you all the talking points from game week four of the Premier League. For now, thanks to Tom Whitehead. I've been Chris Coughlin and you've been listening to Match Day FM.